now it's time for Rod and Real Radio with your hosts, Hopalong John Cassidy, fresh and saltwater expert angler Stan Vanderberg, and all-around outdoors fishing and hunting enthusiast Wendy Toshihara. If you love the outdoors, enjoy salt or freshwater fishing, this is the show for you. We'll cover most all of the fishing tournaments and events with special reports while providing you with the information you need as to how and where to experience the best fishing opportunities in Southern California, Baja, Alaska, or just about anywhere the fish are biting. Rod and Real Radio brought to you by El Cajon Ford at Broadway and Main or online at ElCajonFord.com. Whether it's time for a new or used car or truck or you need to take advantage of San Diego's best quick lane for service with genuine Ford parts, brand name tires at competitive prices, remember nobody beats El Cajon Ford. We have some fantastic guests and reports lined up for you this evening, so sit back, relax, and get ready for the fastest two hours in radio. It's all right here, right now, on Rod and Real Radio, the best stop on your radio. Radio dial for all the information you need for fishing opportunities all over the United States. Now here's your host, Hop Along, John Cassidy. Hey, thank you, Mark Well, Larson, and Southern California. Welcome to another Sunday edition of Ron Real Radio. I am indeed your underfished host, Hop Along, John Cassidy. Hey, we know there's all kinds of things out there that you can be doing this Sunday night. NFL is starting. I know a lot of you are following what's happening in Florida with Irma. Family activities, we appreciate, though, you coming over and turning on the radio to listen to Ron Real Radio tonight. I think we've got a great show. We're going to make it worth your while for listening tonight. Hey, first, right out of the gate, we're going to have a fisherman from Kentucky that traveled 1,600 miles to South uh, Texas to help in the rescue efforts there. We're going to find out what that was all about, why he did it, and share with him some of the stories that uh, he experienced while he was there. So John Henry McGinnis is going to be with us tonight. Also, later on, Marco Malikatin, he's from the California Sports Fishing League. We've been following Senate Bill 187 regarding the 12-month fishing license here in California. We're going to get an update on what's happening with that. And then at 6 o'clock... Surf fisherman extraordinaire, William Taylor, is going to be with us. And William is the fellow that, if you read Western Outdoor News, caught the 30-pound yellowtail in the surf off of Torrey Pine Beach. So we're going to look forward to, uh, uh, we're going to look forward to having him on with us tonight. And then later on, Steve Peterson, captain of the Mission Bell, is going to be with us to give us a local report. So... Before we get all to that, though, let me introduce to you the co-host of Ron Real Radio. First of all, this lady is the national sales manager for Iserline. She is also an extremely experienced freshwater, saltwater, and hunter in her own right, Miss Wendy Toshihara. Wendy, howdy. Howdy. I'm doing great, and I am looking forward to this Friday. I am going to go fish for Big Bluefin, and I hope they're going to still be biting. Well, I hope they're still going to be biting, too, Wendy. You know, they're up and down right now. I know last week they were up. During the middle of the week, they were down. They're starting to catch them again as the water kind of lays down a little bit. We know Stan is out right now on the Top Gun 80, and I've been following the Top Gun 80. They've been on the backside of uh, San Clemente Island. I know they've been catching some bluefin tuna out there, not the big ones, but yellowtail and bluefin, so... 
we're going to talk a little bit about that, uh, Wendy. Hey, Wendy, though, I want to let you know that Stan's not with us tonight, but we have as a guest co-host with us a guy that I know you're familiar with. You started in radio with him, Captain Ron Baker. Captain Ron, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm about happy as a clam and high tide. Oh, man. Captain. <laughs> hey, hey but, Wendy, did you make the Dove opener? I did not make the Dove opener. I had to go to my cousin's wedding, and so, no, I didn't. But I did have a uh, flashback on my Facebook page, and did you know that in 1996, I was with Fish Talk Radio with Captain Ron Baker. Oh, yeah. Cool. Sounds all good. Oh, <laughs> pretty neat. <laughs> I, I made the opener. The hunting was great. The catching wasn't too good. But the guests I was with were second to none. So sometimes in life, the hunt is as much fun or more than the catch. So That's I was right. Up, I was up in by Victorville at a good friend of mine, Glenn Sudmeyer's Ranch. We've had good hunting there. It's a hit and miss deal, but I had a wonderful time. So it's all That's good. awesome. Yeah. All right. Hey, guys, let's get to our first guest. I don't want to keep him holding any uh, more. He's... Uh, called us uh, from uh, Kentucky. He's an FLW fisherman, uh, was a pro fisherman with them for many years. He went into the contracting business, but he's still an avid bass angler. But when Hurricane Henry hit down in southern Texas, he decided to take an action that very few of us, I think, would take. I want to invite him to talk about what he did on the show with us. Let's give a great big welcome to John Henry McGinnis from Kentucky. John, how you doing, sir? Doing great. How are you? We are doing great. You're speaking with Wendy and Ron and myself tonight. Welcome to Ron Real Radio. Thank you so much. I hope y'all can understand Hillbilly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, there. <laughs> you know, uh, John Henry, I hope you can understand our accent. So uh, it's back at you, sir. <laughs> Doesn't sound like an accent at all to me. It sounds like proper English. We just don't speak it in Kentucky. Yeah. Well, you know, John, I'm a good friend of Toby Keys. When Toby comes out to the West, he goes fishing with me. So I know all about them rednecks, man. Uh. <laughs> Toby, Toby makes fun of my talk. Does he? Well, I won't make fun of your talk. Uh, not at all. Hey, hey we're the last ethnic group you can still make fun of. <laughs> hey. John Henry, let's get down to it. You know, we've been seeing in the national media tearing down a monument, a division of, 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 of this, these people over this people. You know, everyone was thinking that the United States is going to, you know, where in a handbag, that we're all divided, that, that we hate each other, and especially down in the southeast, not only y'all uh, rednecks, but be, uh, you cause a lot of trouble down there, and there's a lot of things happening. And then we have this one story of a guy that self-explained. Uh, he claims he's a, he's a redneck, that he's from the backcountry, and he's got this amazing story to tell. And if you will, John Henry, can you tell us your story on just exactly what you heard, what you decided to do, and what action you took from there? Yeah, first of all, can I give you a little input on my thoughts on all of this um, yeah. race division? You got it. Listen, Abraham Lincoln was a Bible-toting, gun-packing redneck 15 miles from my house. His Bible is still in my old Kentucky home. 
and his gun is too. Rednecks, somehow or another, somebody labeled us as somebody we're not. We were the first people to emancipate people. We love all people. We don't think color's the problem with people. We think it's their hearts. And here in Kentucky, we love with our hearts, not with our eyes. Well, we, you know we what? Care, we care about people for how they act, not what they look like. And I tell you, when I was down there rescuing, there was no color. There was just people. I've seen all kinds of different colors of people, but I wanted to help one just as bad as the other. I didn't see color. And if we'd close our eyes and start looking with our hearts instead of our eyes, we'd have a lot better world. Amen. Well, yeah, uh, John Henry, tell us now. You you live in Kentucky, and that's all I'll, I'll, I'll give out from where you live. But you decided that you had to do something for the people in southern Texas. So tell us about honestly, your thought process and how you got down there. Honestly, you give me way too much credit. You know, we're kind of simple people in Kentucky. We're just uh, hillbillies or rednecks, whatever you want to call us. But we we still... We actually had the first wireless communication in Kentucky. I don't know if you know we invented that. It's called neology. And that's where we communicate with God. And God told me to go, so I had nothing to do with that decision. I just listened. Okay. So and when I went, God made a way. Everything, there were a lot of bad things that happened to me on the way. Everything I'd done, it seemed like something bad would happen, but then there God made a way every time something happened. My vehicle broke down on the way to Houston. And the cops pulled over behind me and asked me what I was doing in Texas. And I told him I was going to help them people down in Houston. And he said, I know somebody. He called them. They come and loaded my truck on the road back, hooked my boat up, drove it all the way back to Henderson, Texas, worked on it for three hours with four men, never charged me a penny. Could have charged me wow. whatever he wanted. Uh, wow. There were people cooking for us. I had no food, no planning. I just had a couple changes of clothes and an old pickup truck and a boat. And uh, people were cooking for us, uh, flagging us down. You know, there's no, there was no place to get nothing to eat. People were, everybody was helping everybody. And it was black, white, uh Spanish. There was all kinds of different people, but at that time we were all just people. And you know, it's sad, but you know, it seems like we need hard times to remember who we are. Sometimes we get so caught up in life, we forget that we're all just one people here. You know, but when something bad happens, it seems like the best of human beings comes out. And uh, it wasn't just me down there. There were thousands of Old great nicks that pulled their boats down there. Yeah, I just happened to be one they put the camera in there with. Um, it, really, people give me way too much credit. It was just God God told me to go, and I listened. That's all. Well, how did you decide where to go? Because did you know anything about Texas? Did you know anything uh, about Houston, the, the road systems or anything? How did you finally decide that this is where I had to go? that my help was needed? Well, I hadn't been to Texas since I was a little boy, and uh, I just drove until I seen water. And when I seen water, I put my boat in. 
And I was discouraged a lot of times by police officers. And they told me the water was electrified. They told me it was the current was very bad. And they told me there were obstructions under the water. But And they said safety first. But all I could think about was the safety of those people. And uh, I don't know why or how. I only know that I cared more about those people than I did myself. And, and tell us, uh, uh, John Henry, when you finally did find people or did you find or were you pointed out by someone that there were people that needed help, how did you go finding them and how did you assist them? I just I just drove around and I heard people screaming and I and I would sometimes I had to cut the roofs open and get them out of the attic sometimes they were swimming in the water sometimes there were some you couldn't help you know and you were too late but my first load was not one pastor but two pastors and they said they've been playing, praying for three days and that's how long I wow. had the burden on my heart and. Uh, so just in case it was coincidence, God sent me two pastors in the first load of people I picked up. My. So, and I, and I guess... People say when, God don't talk to you no more. Or how how did you know where to where to bring these people, uh, 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 John Henry? Uh, when, oh, that, when you got them really in your boat, how did you know where to take them? You just drive to where there's no water. <laughs> okay. I mean, the... So you just some of the people I took to drop off, and some of the people were just happy to get off anywhere there was no water, you know? Wow. Wendy has a question. Wendy? No, so I was going to say, so you just picked people up that you found along the way, you took them back to dry land, and then you went to go pick up more people, or, I mean, that's Yeah, I just just kept going, even though I I was discouraged a lot of times. There were power lines under the water, and the lights were still on, and the water was electrified. But wow. uh, I just I just kept going. I mean, I, I don't know. I, it's kind of like a blur now, you know. It was like six days, no sleep, no food, nothing to eat. And, uh, you know, snacks here and there. And there was one old woman that saw me on TV after the interview, and she met me at the boat ramp, or I call it the boat ramp. It was actually the road. And she had a bunch of food. She just got up and took her daughter and went and cooked some food and brought it down there to me. And I was so thankful to get it because we were hungry, you know. Uh, people in Houston, I'm from a little bitty town. The population was 49. When my son was born, they changed it to 50, you know. Uh, in Houston, it's the, it's the biggest, the smallest big town I've ever been in. Those people, they are so different from any large town I've ever been in in my life. My gosh, uh, uh, John Henry, uh, uh, were were you finding that people was were you finding like so many people that were in distress that you know it was hard for you to accommodate everybody? And after a I little never, while, I did you left. get any help from the local authorities? Well, the the police were doing were rescuing people also, but it just. You know, if you do something every day, I think sometimes sometimes maybe you get used to doing it. You know, it's kind of like me fishing or, or you being on the radio. Uh, the level of anxiety was a lot different for me than it was other people. And um, 
I felt I felt like I was I felt like I had one second left all the time, you know, and uh, I just couldn't hardly sleep. I, it, was, it was the greatest burden I ever felt in my life, other than when I went to the altar. What did you do about like getting fuel for your boat and fuel for your truck? Because I I hear a lot on the radio that there was a lot of fuel shortages. Well, I tell you, country people's got country ways and. I, I made do. There was a lot of old cars sitting around. I'll just leave it like it. Oh, wow. All right. Hey, uh, John Henry, we've got to take a commercial break right now. Is there any way we can get you to stay on with us a little bit longer? Because I want to talk a little bit about your story, and then I also want to let our listeners know that you have a GoFundMe page now that you have set up because you want to go down there and assist people even further. So can you stay with us a little longer? Yes, sir. All right. Hey, this is Rod and Reel Radio on AM 540. Wendy, Captain Ron Baker, and myself, we're going to be back with more of John Henry McGinnis's story on rescuing flood victims down in Houston after these messages. You can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks, no matter what you're hauling or towing, for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert. Now get special savings on every F-Series truck in stock, 150s, 250s, 350s, at El Cajon Ford. We have commercial trucks, too, including the all-new Transit Connect. Finally, a commercial van with great mileage, helping your business get moving again. El Cajon Ford, worth the short drive from anywhere in Southern California, Broadway and East Main and El Cajon or online anytime, anywhere at ElCajonFord.com. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel specialty heat treater to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. I got a garage full of fishing tackle, and every time I get out on the water, I realize I forgot something important. But I never forget my life jacket. I make sure my buddies wear theirs, too. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, HM Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at 
www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. Angler's Arsenal is the serious angler's first choice for hand-poured plastics, McCoy line, Spro products, Gamakatsu hooks, G. Loomis fishing rods, Shimano products, Ovet reels, and just about anything you hear advertised on Rod and Reel Radio. Go to anglersarsenal.com and visit our online tackle store. See the huge selection of Western Plastics hand-poured baits, all at anglersarsenal.com. Angler's Arsenal Tackle Store is conveniently located in La Mesa, just off Interstate 8. Give us a call at 1-800-428-8730. 2015 and 16, Quantum Fishing's gone and done it again for you with the brand new redesigned Smoke PT Reel Series. Everything from your spinning reels all the way to your bait casters, the PTA design has a new PTXA frame, lighter, stronger, bone crushing drag. Quantum Fishing, we are performance tuned. Check them out at Angler's Arsenal in La Mesa or anglersarsenal.com or give us a call at 619 466 8355. It's a big deal, you know. I've always wanted to be on Rod and Reel Radio. I, <laughs> I won the Bassmaster Classic. I did a, a McDonald's commercial, but now I know I've made it. I fulfilled my dream. <laughs> that is just absolutely awesome. Hey, we want to welcome you back to Rod and Reel Radio. Woody Toshihara is with me tonight. Captain Ron Baker is also co-host. Stan is out fishing on the Top Gun 80. And we'll be back next week. Hey, our guest right now is John Henry McGinnis. John Henry traveled 1,600 miles from his home in Kentucky down to Houston, Texas, to help in the relief of a lot of people that were caught in their homes and stranded after Hurricane Harvey went through there. And, John Henry, I, I know you ran into a lot of people, but I guess you got a lot of notoriety, too, because of the fact that one of the cameras from the networks picked you up and went out with you. Tell us about that. Well, I didn't really know where I was at, and they pulled up beside me and said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to get people out of the water. They said, where are you headed? I said, to the water. And uh, I didn't really know where I was going. They followed me, and I found some water and put in, and I started getting people out, and they asked to go with me, so... Uh, they jumped in the boat and uh, went with me, and we went out and got people out of the water. So it's, it's, everything was kind of um, kind of heck. It was it was kind of crazy. Then it's a little bit of chaos, you know. Nobody knew what was going on, and uh, it's just the way God had it. And you know, we, I just followed His lead. Sometimes you. We plan, we plan, we plan, and nothing ever goes as planned. So sometimes you just got to be the hand of God and let God be God. Is there and, any uh, one? Is there any one story that comes to mind of of somebody that you ran into, or somebody that you helped, or a situation that you saw that you can share with us? Uh, um, a lot of sad stories. Uh, I and I, I'm, I try to stay positive and. Uh, I don't think your listeners would appreciate some of the stories that I've seen. I, I hope they never see the things that I saw, but I will tell you, there's some people that are alive today because I listen to God. And uh, I'm thankful that God used me for my small part, 
And, you know, can I add one thing? Um, you bet. I can, I can understand how the world don't believe in God because we've got so many conveniences and we've got everything to take our mind off of God. Off God. But not a fisherman. Everything we do is something we can't see. The Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That sounds like fishing to me. Well, everything we do is just we'll cast for twelve hours, knowing the next the next cast is a bite, and we can't even see what we're doing, but we believe. God is exactly the same way. The quietest voice in your head is God, the one that everything else tries to drown out. And sometimes, if you listen to it, everybody will tell you how special you are and how good you are for doing it. But really. All I am is just a servant of God. I just did what God told me to do, and he blessed me and my family for it. And now I can appreciate my family much more than I did when I went. And I well, can appreciate these people. I love these people. I fell in love with these people down there. They're just well, country people that love God. And John Henry, I'm back, if you recall. I'm going back to some houses, and I need I need some help. All right, well, if you recall, when our good Lord wanted someone to spread his word, it wasn't the politicians, it wasn't the kings, it was the fishermen that he asked. So how long did you spend in Houston uh, before you had to leave, uh, John? I spent six days in there. Now, now also, during that time, though, you know, with all the things that had happened to you, you had an incident happen to you that would have probably crushed most of us, but you kept strong, and that was the passing of your dad. And I'm going to imagine that's one of the reasons why you had to go back to Kentucky. I went and visited him before I left, and uh, he looked at me with a stare that i never seen from anybody, and he looked at my soul, and he told me he wasn't going to be there when I got back. And I knew he wouldn't. But he was never a man of faith. He never would talk about God to me or didn't want to hear about Jesus. And I watched him give his life to God on his deathbed. Okay. And now, listen, and when you got and I got a to- call that Saturday that he had passed. And so I came, he asked me to preach his funeral after he gave his life to God. And I came back to preach his funeral. Okay. Now, since you came back to Kentucky, you've been part of some fundraising events and everything like that, and you were part of a telethon, I think. Tell us about that experience, because that had to really give you a lot of hope. Well, uh, they asked me to come to Hazard to help them with the telethon. Uh, I don't remember, WYMT, something up in eastern Kentucky. Um, and when we got when we got there... My wife had called and said, we just, we just raised $7,000, you know. And I was getting there on the very end because it's a pretty good drive from my house to Hazard. And uh, we had 55 minutes left to go. And that 55 minutes, we raised $442,000. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Now, Wendy, you have a question for uh, John Henry. John Henry, I'm really sorry for your loss of your father. I'm glad he found God, you know before he, he passed, and uh, thank you for everything that you have done 
But I want to know, I will be in Houston, Texas um, the second week in October. Is there anything I can do while I'm there to help? In Texas? Yes. I'll be in Houston. I'll tell you something. Sometimes there's no answer for, for anything. But if you just show people that people care, go, go tell them we care. Uh, we want to pray with you. Uh, we're praying for you. That seems so simple and so small. But when it's real, it means everything to people. Because honestly, I know Irma is bad and Irma's hitting Florida right now. But those people were told to leave. Those people in Texas were told everything was going to be fine. Right. They weren't told to leave. And and they were in their homes and the water came. And uh, I'm I'm not saying one's worse than the other one, one's better than the other, but if you have the opportunity to leave and you're told to leave, it's a little bit different than being told, we got this, you know. And right. just show them you care. Just show them you care. Now, John Henry, I know you are planning to go back to Texas, but you are a contractor and a construction worker by trade. And when you go back to Texas, you want to just go back uh, with more than just uh, – uh, kind thoughts and, and good words. You plan to take some action. Tell us uh, what you plan to do and how you want to go about doing it. My granny taught me that love was a verb. Love that, <clears throat> love that has no action isn't love at all. It's just a word. And, and I want to go back and show these people that I care, that I put my money where my mouth is my whole life. I'm going to take my whole family and my company. And I'm going to go back and I'm going to build houses until I run out of money. And, and I promise you, I will stretch every dollar, every Kentucky dollar, every California dollar, every dollar that anybody sends me to. It's max. I won't be charging for my time. I won't be charging for my company's time. I just need money to buy material. And I'm going to go out there and build these people some houses. But I need your help. I can't do this by myself. And, and everybody, that video has over 200 million hits. If everybody gave a quarter, I wouldn't need no money. You know? Okay. Uh, we, we so what is people. the GoFundMe site, and how can we donate? It is the Kentucky Fisherman, Texas, abbreviated TX, flood fund. Pretty simple. The Kentucky Fisherman, Texas, flood fund. And all I'm asking for is what you can afford. Don't put yourself out. Five dollars, a dollar, whatever you can give. But I promise you, I will multiply it. I will stretch it, and I will make it work for these people. I would love to go down there and build 20 houses. With the money I have so far, I couldn't build a porch. And uh, I want to help these people. But I, I have a family of my own. I have some funds of my own. But I, I need your help. And I know fishermen are the best people in this whole world. I know. I lived with them on the road for 10 years. I fished the terror. I fished ever start. I fished tournaments all over this country. I fished with Roland Martin and Jimmy Houston and Larry Nixon and all the, all the best fishermen in the world. And I've seen them raise their hands to God, and I know they believe in God. I know fishermen believe in God. 
And I'm telling you, this is your opportunity to make God proud for these people. I know it seems like a long way away, but there's people just like me and you. I seen them. I touched them. I held them. I got them out of the water. I rarely ever got a whole family out of the water. Usually they're missing a child or a wife or a husband. Something was missing with every family. At the least, they were missing everything that belonged to them. They right. need your help. John you Henry, help get, them, give us that GoFundMe uh, uh, page again, would you please? The Kentucky Fisherman. Texas TX Flood Fund. And, John right. Henry, do you have a Facebook page also or an Instagram page? Yes, ma'am. My Facebook page is pretty simple also, McGinnis John Henry. All right. Well, John, I, I know I you. I really appreciate y'all. And, uh, listen, this is not about me. This is about these people. And the reason I named the Kentucky Fisherman is because it's not it's irrelevant. I'm just a servant of God, the same as y'all. And uh, I just want to help these people. If y'all would help me, I promise you, God will bless you for it. Well, we'll post that on our site, John, and we wish you the best of luck if we can. Let us uh, check in with you later on to see how you're doing and and what progress that you're seeing down there. And, and sir, God bless you for your uh, your efforts and to keep you safe. And I hope the... The little that you've given will be multiplied many thousands and thousands of times. I, I want to thank you for being with us tonight. Thank you so much, sir. And can I also add, every one of your sponsors that I heard during the commercial break, I have a, something of every one of them in my boat and a whole lot of some of them. It wouldn't hurt them to help a little bit also. So All right. God bless you. Appreciate you. John Henry McGinnis, thank you for telling us your story, John, and we look forward to hearing more from you later on. We will keep in contact, okay? Thank you, sir. God All bless. right. God bless you, sis. God bless you, mother, brother. All right. Thank you, John Henry. Thank you. Hey, Captain Ron, uh, you also uh, had a note you wanted to bring up that, you know, uh, this is kind of a small fraternity that we're here in the, in the fishing business, and uh, you wanted to bring to mind the passing of uh, one of our friends that uh, passed away just here recently. Just yesterday, Dave Williams. I've known Dave since the 60s. We fished a lot at Albuquerque together. He's a real, he's what you call a true highlighter on life. He loved the hunt, loved the fish, was a great guy. He had a nickname of Grumpy. He, but you had to be around him. He, he ran the new land. He worked the Irv on the big game 90. He had the Rebel back in the day, back in the Albuquerque days. Oh, yeah. The uh, Murphy brothers, everybody, everybody knew Dave Williams, and I just, Wherever you're at, rest in peace, Dave. You were a true highlighter, man. All right. Hey, guys, uh, we're going to take a little break right now, uh, if we can. And uh, uh, I think we're breaking. Yeah, I think we're breaking on time. Yeah, we are, Jorge. Hey, you're listening to Rod and Real Radio on AM 540 or at com. Hey, you can also download our show on any one of the apps that are available. Coming up next, Marco Malikatin. He is from the California Sports Fishing League. He's going to clue us in on what happened to Senate Bill 187 as it was making his way through the assembly. So stay tuned. Stan, Captain Ron, and myself will be back after these messages.
Are you ready to sell your current boat and upgrade in preparation for the 2017 fishing season? It's sure to be one for the bucks. I'm Zach Zorn and a broker for Kessler Yachts located in San Diego. As one of the largest and most reputable brokerages on the West Coast, I can assure that your boat will be sold in a timely manner or that your dream boat will be found. If you want to sell your boat or looking to purchase one, call Zach Zorn at Kessler Yachts, 760-815-8866 so that your name can be added to our long list of satisfied buyers and sellers. That's Zach Zorn, 760-815-8866. If you're serious about your fishing, choosing the right tackle is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. Iserline makes premium fishing lines including monofilament, Dacron, Spectra, fluorocarbon, battle-tested harnesses, and top-angler-tested Iserline tools and accessories. Iserline premium fishing products are created to provide you with the ultimate in strength, dependability, durability, high abrasion resistance, low stretch, and high quality. All Iserline products are 100% guaranteed against manufacturing defects. You just can't buy better value. Iserline will replace or repair at their option. No questions asked if you're not pleased with any of their product. Catch what you've been missing. Quality guaranteed. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ring hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. Don't you just love California in the summer? Just remember, if you love California and you love to boat, please wear your life jacket and make sure the people you love wear one too. Love California, boat California, save California. Share the love at BoatCalifornia.com. This portion of Rod and Reel Radio is brought to you by the Rockley's Fish Release System. Now you can quickly and easily release fish suffering from barotrauma back to the depths they were caught. Look or ask for the Rockley's at your local fishing tackle dealer. Hey, San Diego and Southern California, welcome back to our Rod and Reel Radio. Wendy Toshahara is here tonight. Captain Ron Baker is also my co-host, and we want to welcome you back to the show. Well, for the past, it seems like two years, we have been following the progress of Senate Bill 187, which will allow for a 12-month license for us fishermen here, and uh, a lot of good reasons to have it. Let's give you an update what's been happening, and this is one of the guys that's been ramrodding it for sure. He's from the California Sports Fishing League, Marco Malikatin. Marco, welcome to Rod and Reel Radio. Well, thank you, John, Wendy, and Captain Ron. It's a pleasure being on the show today. Oh, it's great having you, sir. Well, you know, I, I wish we were saying that we were calling with great news, but uh, this bill ran into a little bit of a hitch. First of all, for those of you that have been living under a rock for a little while, would you want to, Marco, please try to outline what we, you were trying to do, we were trying to do, what uh, we thought the benefit was, what the support was, and what has happened to the bill at this time? Yeah, yeah, you bet. Listen, you know, everyone listening um, knows that California has a calendar-based fishing license. So no matter when your license, your annual license is purchased, it expires on December 31st of every year. So in other words, it's not like your car registration. It's valid for a full 12 months uh, out of the year. And so Senate Bill 187 was introduced um, by uh, Senator Dom, Tom Berryhill from, from northern Central Valley area of California. 
It was a bill that the California Sports Fishing League sponsored, and um, everyone felt it was very important, not only to provide anglers uh, a bigger bang for the buck, in other words, your license, as costly as it is, at least it would be valid for a full 12 months, but it was also important for our you know, hatcheries and our conservation programs because our fishing license uh, fees pay for those programs, which are so, so important when it comes to you know, our fisheries and obviously you know, fish stocking and, and so forth. And um, I, you know, I have to tell your, your listeners, I had never been so positive that this was the year that it was going to happen, John, um, because everybody supports this bill. You know, every statewide organization rep- representing small business, travel, hospitality, obviously the outdoor recreation community, local government, even the public employee unions that, you know, represent, um, you know, Department of Fish and Wildlife employees support the bill. There was no reported opposition. So a bill that was supported by all and opposed by none about a week ago was killed in a committee. And, you know, I'm crushed. I mean, we worked really hard on this. And I know uh, many of your listeners and many sports fishing clubs were on board with this bill. And there's no explanation. None has been given. So it was a big disappointment. Well, first of all, let's just talk about the fishing licenses themselves. You've been keeping track of the number of fishing licenses that have been sold in the state of California. And, and can you tell us what you know your results have seen and with the growing population that we have here in San Diego and the number of people that are fishing, you would think that the, the number of fishing licenses would be growing exponentially. So there, there shouldn't be... A, uh, a revenue problem, but I think uh, your uh, numbers have uh, proven something different. Well, yeah, let's put it in perspective. I mean, California has one of the longest coastlines in the country. It has over 3,000 lakes, reservoirs, and thousands of rivers more. I mean, it is, it is a mecca for fishing, but it should be, the, 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 in terms of fishing license sales, it should be leading the country, and it's not. In fact, um, in terms of participation rates, California ranks dead last among all 50 states. Since 1980, the number of annual license sales have declined over 56%. And then someone shared with me um, an interesting statistic recently, and that is over the last 10 years, um, uh, fishing license sales in California have declined 18%, but the rest of the country, it has gone up 4%. So let's put it into perspective. Fishing is growing in popularity among all 50 states except for California. Mm. I mean, in totality. So, it, 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 you know, it, it, we're going in the wrong direction, and it's having consequences. Um, you know, the Department of Fish and Wildlife is stocking fewer fish, and they're getting smaller. Um, it, it, and, uh, you know, their fishery program uh, this last year was $20 million in debt. They expect millions of dollars of red ink for years to come unless things turn around. And, you know, SB 187 was a solution. I mean, it would give anglers a, a better value, a better bang for the buck. It, it's something that other states do. I mean, one of your previous listeners uh, was battling the, the floods in, in Texas, and Texas has it, and their sales have gone up almost 15%. So it can right. be done. Let's talk a little bit more about what specifically happened to the bill because you had indicated there was great support for it. It had gone through the state Senate unanimously, and then it was approaching 
the state assembly. And then obviously, before it goes to the state assembly, it has to go through the, uh, the Assembly Appropriations Committee. And you were, you're thinking, well, uh, they're going to take a vote on it to see whether or not it goes to the assembly. What happened? Well, you're right. I mean, it sails through the Senate, no objections. In fact, it made it even through uh, an Assembly Policy Committee unanimously. And then it went to an Appropriations Committee. And this is where um, it's difficult to explain, but essentially the chair of the Assembly Appropriations Committee has the discretion, the sole power, to determine the fate of the bill without a vote of their committee. And so essentially just died in this committee, John. It just simply died. And, and I'm convinced of this. Had it been allowed to pass to the Assembly floor, it could have been on the governor's desk weeks later. Right. And uh, let me uh, just be more specific, you know, because San Diego seems to be the root of some of the problems here. It was uh, Assembly Member Lorena Gonzalez Fletcher, D, from San Diego, that didn't even allow her committee to vote on it, that single-handedly turned down the bill and has killed the efforts of all the fishermen, all these people, for the past two years to try and get this done. Um, you know, I tried to get a hold of uh, uh, Ms. Fletcher, first of all, on her uh, web page. And unfortunately, she only responds to people that are a member of her district. So I couldn't even send her a message asking her for her justification. So, And as of this time, as far as I know, uh, Marco, uh, we've got no reason why it was turned down. We don't. And I, look, I was optimistic, too, because, you know, um, Assemblymember uh, Gonzalez Fletcher represents a coastal district in San Diego. You know, San Diego County has the second highest number of licensed uh, anglers in the state of California. In fact, probably has more licensed anglers than most states, many combined. Um, you know, this bill was supported by the Greater San Diego Chamber of Commerce, your San Diego uh, Tourism Authority, a um, lot of local support, John, um, and it, it's not controversial. It's, it's just really common sense uh, to provide people, um, you know, when you're going to pay 47 bucks base price for a license, at least give them 12 months' worth of value. So, I'm Marco? So. <laughs> yes, go on, you, Wendy. Marco, when is the next time we can go ahead and present this? And then in 2018, we're going to have a governor run. And um, I think that there's a couple, especially one in particular, one, uh, one uh, Republican um, uh, runner that is going to run for um, governor, which is Travis Allen. And, I mean, he is on our side. He is a Republican. He is for hunters and fishermen. Um, is there anything we can do to help facilitate and help you with your um, with the license. All right. Well, Wendy, I'm glad you you, you brought up that question because it you know at time, when times are when you're disappointed, <laughs> uh, it's sometimes hard to look uh, beyond the trees. And I, I will say this: there are there is an opportunity even before the 2018 election. And that is this: is Assemblyman Gallagher has a very similar bill that will be considered could be considered in January of 2018, so only a few short months from now. So 
while you know this, this sports fishing bill is dead for 2017, there is hope for his bill. You know, the very first of the year, uh, we're a supporter of that bill. So many of uh, these other organizations support that bill as well. So we're we're going to push for that, and and we're going to take this time during the fall to, you know, double down on our efforts. You know, I would encourage your listeners to go to our website, safefishing.com. We're also on Facebook. Like us. Um, it's a good way to stay informed, but it's also a good way to get engaged in the political process, Wendy. Um, I will tell you this is I know um, the assembly member's office got a lot of phone calls, a lot of emails. I know a lot of listeners throughout Southern California did the same thing for their local representatives. And look, while we weren't heard this time, you know, we will be. And so we're not going to give up here at the California Sports Fishing League. What's the difference between the two bills? How come this one failed and this new one? Is there a difference the way it's written, or is it because the way it is now? Your license is still good for twelve months, but it becomes due at the first of the year. Where right, the new right. license was being the day of purchase, it's good for a year. So right, Captain Ron, it, it essentially does the same thing in terms of um, establishing a license that's valid for a full twelve months from the date of purchase. Similarly, Gallagher's bill does something more, and that is it gives a discount to um, veterans. Well, so, good. yeah, so I would say it is, you know, Senate Bill 187 plus. Um, you, think so, the, you think the change in population in the state of California has changed completely, has a lot to do with these numbers that you were throwing out there, or maybe that's why that got voted down? Or What do you think about that? What's your comment on that? Well, in terms of population, you know, during the same time that fishing license sales declined 56%, the population of California increased 60%. You know, and, and so, look, I, I will tell you, there are organizations um, that focus on, you know, fishing license renewals, uh, developing programs to make fishing more accessible, more affordable. I mean, that's part of our mission as well. And they've had some success in other states. And so uh, that's in addition to having a 12-month fishing license. You know, yeah. uh, Arizona has done it. Utah has, has it. Maryland put it into effect of January, I think, of 2016, maybe late 17. Um, so there's, there's a lot that can be done, and, and we're having that dialogue with the Department of Fish and Wildlife. You know, 12-month license, I think people recognize the value um, because what we're hearing from people is, why would I pay a full $47 for a fishing license, you know, in the middle of summer when it's going to expire only a few months later. That's good. Yeah. That's very confusing. You know, running a party boat and being, being a lot of people, meeting them, talking to them, being involved with them, that's a, that is really confusing for people. People say, well, here I'm out here in October, and i got to buy a license, and i got to do it again in two months. Yeah. Well, you know what, too, is if, if this bill made it to the governor's desk, you can make a strong case it's consistent with what the state of California does for example, with the Department of Parks and Rec. Years ago, when you bought your outdoor, you know, vehicle license, you know, to go off-roading or to go to campground, state campgrounds, it had the same system where it expired in December of every year. They changed it to a 12-month a um, camp permit or off-road park permit because they realized it was smart. It was a, a way to attract consumers. Yeah. Plus, if a guy has a good license... That may maybe want him to go out and go more, do more, be more involved. You know, I mean, it's just it's a win-win deal. I don't understand it. 
Well, I, I don't either. And, you know, here's the thing, too, is that uh, the Department of Fish and Wildlife should be motivated to fix their antiquated and costly system. You know, as I shared with you earlier, I mean, the, the fishing program is about $20 million in debt, right? And this last go-around, uh, they raided a fishing license funds for programs not related to fishing at all. All the money that went into the Lifetime Fishing License Fund is gone. Zippo, the tank is empty. Well, you know, maybe uh, uh, all I uh, want our listeners to remember, though, from this whole thing is Lorena Gonzalez-Fletcher, Democrat from San Diego. And for those of you that have a long enough uh, memory, I also want you to think about the MLPAs. Those were two uh, originally proposed and sponsored by a Democrat from San Diego here that happens to still be in office. So right. I, I don't know what this crazy thinking is over here, but it certainly doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to fishermen. It doesn't make sense to the youth. It doesn't uh, make sense to business uh, here in San Diego fishing. It just seems to be part of, again, the anti-establishment that is against hunting and fishing, and, uh, uh, and unless there's some, there's some secret reason over there why this bill, as simple as it is, where was, where was this lady's red pen when the gas tax measure went through? You know, I would have liked to have seen her vote that down, okay? I mean, this is just incredible. Hey, Marco, people want to get a hold of you, have conversation with you, find out what the California Sports Fishing League is doing. How's the best way to go about doing it? Yeah, go to our website, savefishing.com. Uh, we're also on Facebook as well as inter Instagram. And I would say get involved in the political process. Don't assume that your friend's going to make that call to the state legislator. You really have to do it because uh, this bill, 986, um, that also the 12-month fishing license bill, uh, John, Wendy, it's going to go through her committee as well in January. So yeah. we need Marco, that's a great that's a great suggestion because there are so many people that I know and that I talk to when it comes time to voting that yeah. they just think somebody else is going to do it for them. They need to get get out there and their vote counts. Yeah, yeah it does. Look, there, there's lots of anglers out there, and look, uh, just like your previous call, if everyone gave a quarter to his Go Fish, uh, you know, uh, Go Fund Me account. If, if every angler or at least one out of ten made that phone call to the legislator, uh, it would blow up their phones. It, it would make a difference. So go to our website, savefishing.com. Uh, we'll keep you posted, John, Wendy, you know, and, and Ron. And I'd love to be on your show again, you know, maybe uh, at the end of the year or uh, the beginning of next year, you know, when um, this next uh, bill moves. Well, Marco, we want to thank you for your efforts with the California uh, uh, Sports Fishing League on the efforts that you put through on not only this but a lot of the other matters that regarding recreational fishing here. I, I know this is a setback. Uh, we'll find out what happened, and what we find out will happen. I know we will all work together to fix it because this is something that only makes sense. Thanks a lot. I know you're disappointed now. We'll talk, though, in the future, and let's hope we'll have some more positive results to talk about when we get together again. All right. Well, that sounds like a plan. Thank you. All right. John, can I say one more thing? Sure, Grant. Well, I found some money in a grant. A buddy of mine told me about a grant that came from fishing game violations that I used 
to start the Crystal Pure Kids Classic. It was great. I did it for two years. The second year, I found funding and asked for less money for the grant. And then the third year, the grant was no longer available because the money went away. Okay. And because of good hard work and good people that believed in what we do, and that's for everybody out there, we got to get involved with this, so we're just going to continue to lose. Crystal Pure event is alive, alive and well. Thanks for Friends of Rollo. Thanks to all the com commerce in town. That's a wonderful event. It's great for the kids. We just had it here in July, and it was wonderful. So we just got to get involved. It's a good thing. We, need to, we just can't just take it for granted it's going to happen because it's not. Well, uh, apparently not, but we run into a situation that uh, the bill is running unopposed. It looks like it's a good thing. We even got the Department of Fish and Wildlife on our side, which they weren't you know, for previous bills, it gets to the appropriation committee for the assembly, and one person doesn't even allow it to be voted in the assembly. One person just shelves it, and it's dead. So I don't know what I can say about that. I, I'm glad I'm a fisherman and not a politician. Hey, I'm going to go take a pill. When we come back, we're going to have recreational sports fisherman extraordinaire William Taylor with us. He's going to – he has – a catch off of the beach. We, we, we are in a, a time of phenomenal times when it comes to talking about what people are catching nowadays, but this was really an incredible catch. You're going to want to hear all about it and its method of not only catching fish like this, but all the other fish that he catches. But we're going to take a break right now. You know what I think we got to do, Wendy? I think maybe you and I ought to have, go have a cocktail. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say I'll drink to that. <laughs> Hey, William Taylor is going to be joining us uh, right after these breaks. Stay tuned. There's still a lot more Rod and Real Radio to come after these messages. You know, John, I have tremendous roots with this William guy. He was on Fish Talk Radio years and years ago. Is he a, is he a, have an English accent? Yeah. That's him. He taught, we were talking to Sir Fish and them. Where are we? You can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks, no matter what you're hauling or towing, for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert. Now get special savings on every F-Series truck in stock, 150s, 250s, 350s, at El Cajon Ford. We have commercial trucks, too, including the all-new Transit Connect, finally a commercial van with great mileage, helping your business get moving again. El Cajon Ford, worth the short drive from anywhere in Southern California, Broadway and East Main and El Cajon or online anytime, anywhere at ElCajonFord.com. He's not just my fishing buddy. After 30 years, he's a brother, and I'd sure hate to lose him. His bass boat's got nothing to do with it. So I make sure both of us wear a life jacket. Save the ones you love, even if they don't own a fancy boat. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Quantum Fishing's got something for everybody. From the smallest angler to the oldest veteran, we can get you out there fishing with the greatest reels on the market today. 
from the all-new for 2016 Icon PT to the Tour Mag to the brand-new redesigned Smoke Reel. We've got something for everyone in your family. Have some fun. Take a kid fishing. They're the future of our sport. Quantum, we are performance-tuned. You can get your Quantum products at anglersarsenal.com or anglersarsenal.com at 619-466-8355. Attention Rod and Reel Radio listeners, be sure to check out the Code Group mobile app. You can listen to the Rod and Reel Radio show live along with show archives without internet access. The Code Group app has all kinds of cool features for fishermen including daily Southern California saltwater reports, weather reports, episodes of inside sport fishing, marine traffic, and much more. Get the free Code Group mobile app by texting the word REEL, R-E-E-L, to 90407, or enter the words code group in the App Store on your smartphone. Hi, this is BSS record holder Dean Rojas. El Cajon Ford helped me when I got started in my career, and let them help you with a new F-Series Ford truck. And remember, nobody beats El Cajon Ford. Hey, Southern California, welcome back to the second hour of Rod and Reel Radio. Wendy Toshihara is with us tonight. Stan Vandenberg's on the Top Gun 80 fishing. I know he's having a great trip. I've seen some of the pictures from there. I'm sure he'll be back next week to tell us all about his adventures. But substituting for uh, Stan is Captain Ron Baker. Captain Ron, thanks a lot for being here. Hey, I love him. Anytime. It's tough. I got pliers. You're not kidding. And, you know, I told Captain Ron who our next guest was tonight. He goes, hey, I know that guy. He gives seminars. He's he is a super guy to talk about, especially when it comes to surf fishing. I'm yeah. glad we could have him aboard. Let's welcome him to Rod Real Radio. He's recreational surf fisherman extraordinaire, William Taylor. William, welcome to Rod Real Radio. Hey, John. How are you doing? Hey, we're doing your. You've got Wendy Toshihara here and also Captain Ron Baker yeah. tonight. There's a voice from the past. William, remember the time you did my show at Fish Talk Radio? Hey, Ron, how are you doing? I'm doing great. You're still surf fishing. That is wonderful. God, that's great. We just don't get old. You know, we keep going. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, William, uh, thank you for giving up some of your Sunday night to be with us. I had, uh, I, I know you've been on the show before. It was a long time ago, but there was a particular catch that you made here in Southern California that made the newspapers and the blogs and everything else like that. And I, I know you're probably scratching your head because you're catching all kinds of big fish, but this this was an occurrence that I'd never heard of happening before, and I talked to a lot of people. They'd never heard about it. If you recall what I'm talking about, can you give us the story? Absolutely. Yeah, we've been fishing, as you know, that now, you know, in the surf for quite a few years. And this year I've been, you know, fishing a lot with Sean. And by the way, my son Sean actually caught the yellowtail. Okay. Um, but uh, just what we would, we've been doing this year is uh, we started to fish uh, basically targeting the game fish that swim with the shoals of fish. In other words, with the... Uh, mackerel and the sardines so uh, but what that basically means is fishing with whole sardines and making them float and throwing out between 100 and 120 and 160 yards off the back line into the open ocean and then catching whatever game fish is swimming with the shoals of bait fish so uh, this particular day 
um, we went down and uh, we saw some shoals coming through, coming past. We saw some pelicans diving on some of them. And we started fishing and we ended up catching quite a few soup, soup fin sharks, pretty big ones too. And obviously they must have been chasing the shoals of fish. And uh, so we caught those. And then late in the afternoon, I, Sean was standing, we were standing basically waist deep in the water, fishing down in Del Mar. And you've actually got to wade out to almost the, uh, the back line, if you will, right out towards the, you know, the back line towards deep water. And then basically throw out into the you know, open water and get way out there, get your bait 120, 160 yards, depends on the size of your sardine, and get it way out there um, to be where the shoals are and then obviously come back and stand in the shallower water, And which we were doing, and I had just wound up and I was standing next to Sean, and uh, Sean was actually standing there, and I turned away to go back to the... Um, to the bait box, long walk back, and as I started to walk, Sean started to shout that he had hooked something, and uh, it was going very, very quickly. So by the time I turned around and and went back to him very quickly, I noticed that he was being spooled. We were using Diablo 30s with 20-pound line, and he was getting spooled very, very quickly. And um, obviously he was quite a concern because... You know, there's only a finite amount of line on a reel. So he got stripped down to where almost you could see the bottom of the reel. And I had to quickly take it over from him because I've had a lot of experience of very, very large fish from the surf with heavy line where these fish literally can take all, you know, basically take all your line. And I'm able to turn them. So what I did is I grabbed the rod from him. He took my rod and then I held on and... I had to go with it towards the ocean, basically, and I got down to about seven or eight turns on the reel, and I was seven, and I just jammed the drag right up, and I'm using a you know 13 and a half foot rod, and I was just able, to, and it pulled me down, and I was just able to hold the head with seven winds on my spool, and I was up to about you know chest deep in the water. So basically, there's nowhere to go. If they pull me down, it's gone, and I had to hold it. And I know from experience with these very big fish, if you can hold the head, and as the head turns, and slowly walk back and not get it excited, and turn the head slowly back and walk backwards, you can win. So what I did was slowly held the head, and it was obviously sideways, and I slowly walked, it, walked back. I walked all the way out of the surf, which was a hang of a long way up into the sand. Then I went down and started to take some line up, and after that we were able to get enough line on the reel, and I gave it back to Sean. But it was a critical moment of a few seconds. I just had to hold it and hold it right up and just hold the head. And if I shook it or did anything, it would have turned around and just took the rest. Now, William, did, did you at that time, did you feel like this was a different type of fish? Was it fighting differently than other fish that you've caught or... When you're in the surf like that, do they all kind of feel like a big fish? Um, no, they all feel very differently. And, in fact, kind of funny, when we use floats in the baits, um, we keep them away from all the back rays, which are actually an irritant, you know, when you're fishing for game fish. 
But, uh, no, you can feel them. You can feel sharks where you can feel their heads. You can feel fish a certain way, and it depends how they feel. But you could feel just by the power of the fish how fast it was. It was something very different. So Sean pulled it in. We, you know, we obviously, and I didn't quite know what it was. I thought maybe it was a very, 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 very large soup fin or something else. I mean, literally, when you're fishing like this, you have no idea. Because I've caught black sea bass on the surf before. White sea bass, I've caught all kinds of things on the surf fishing along these lines, you know, over the years. But this was the strongest. And um, so what happened was, as he was pulling it in, it took quite a while to obviously bring it towards the back line, then into the surf line. And uh, I've got a special, uh, it's like a, it's a sling uh, grip. It's they use for sturgeon in the rivers where you, it's got a lasso on it, and you can lasso the tails. Mm-hmm. So I was in the surf waiting to lasso the fish, and I didn't quite know what it was. And all of a sudden, I saw the tail come up. And I was kind of like, everybody started screaming and shouting because it was like, this was not what we expected, you know. And uh, But he still had a fight to get it in and obviously landed from there. But, uh, yeah, it was, we certainly knew it was something different, but it was kind of like playing a, you just don't quite know what you're going to catch. It can be virtually anything. But all we did know was it going to be, a, you know, a very, very large fish. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of big fish that live right in the surf. You know, now Torrey Pines is another area. A lot of big yellowtail there, and we catch them. I've caught them not from the surf, but from a boat, but just right in the surf, right on the edge of the surf. So I always thought you could fish from flat rock. You know, with the right gear, you got to target off everything else and kind of target on them. That's a, there's a lot of good area, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of area along San Diego coastline here that supports big fish. So even in the yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, so Wendy. Orange, so even in the Orange County area, I talk to I talk to Merritt a lot, and it's like I want to be the first person to catch a yellowtail from the Santa Ana River jetty. You know, because yeah. I mean we've had we've had we've had bluefin tuna, yellowfin tuna. We've had you know uh, wash up on shore. So you know we've got five hurricanes, uh, almost five hurricanes that have that have come our way, which means that those fish are going to be moving closer and closer. So, you know, who knows? Hopefully mm-hmm. I'm going to keep trying. Yeah. Yeah. William, uh, you said that uh, you finally were able to see the tail of the fish, and you go, wait a minute, this is a little bit different than what we're used to catching. When did you finally realize what this fish was? Well, when I saw the tail on us and I looked at it, and it actually... Uh, it, the water, the white water cleared, and I saw the whole fish. Then I got kind of a shock. You know, I shouted to Sean, "This was a yellow tail," and you know, he couldn't believe it too. But when we, at that stage, when we saw it, it wasn't quite done yet either, because it was kind of halfway between the back break and the shore. So, sort of fight it, and you know, lucky we're using heavy gear. I mean, tackle for it. We tackled up for it. You know, we're using uh, thirteen and a half foot rods. We're throwing. Uh, five or six ounce sinkers with uh, 50 pound shock leaders and using running rigs. So we geared up for this, this, you know, for the catch. So I knew you wouldn't lose it, but with a fish like this, you kind of obviously get concerned because it is a fish, if you know what I mean? And it kind of like you got to watch every moment to make sure that you get it up on the beach. Now, with regards to the hooks, were you using regular J hooks? Were you using circle hooks or 
were you using a, a another type of hook for it? No, we use uh, we using six and seven o bait hooks. Not bait hooks, but um, I don't know what they call them. We call them just regular um, regular hooks. Um, they're not J hooks. Um, I think they're just bait hooks. Okay. Um, but anyway, but we're using six and seven o's uh, because they go well with the baits, you know, and uh, they're very very sharp. And then what we've been doing is, because we've been getting a lot of soup fin, we changed over to 60-pound nylon-coated wire um, between the hook and the swivel, because otherwise you'd only get bitten off by the big soup fins, you know? And uh, it was actually kind of funny. A week later, we went fishing on the Sunday, and we didn't catch any other fish, fish per se, but... Uh, we caught all kinds of bits and pieces, and in fact, Sean had a, a very large shark on, and it took him about 15 or 20 seconds, and he bit right through his 60-pound nylon cutter wire and bit his hook uh, off. Wow. wow. Yep. So, well, you know, we then, I, I'm happy we to hear of, of this rig that you're using that uh, at least a big old yellowtail like that would would eat a pin sardine, and happy to hear that it wasn't... Uh, Munching up on uh, sand crabs or uh, razor clams or something yeah. like that. Yeah. You know, no, I often they, thought, they, yeah. William, I often thought, when, when I was fishing the skiff, and my wife, Dean, and I, we would fish up there. We'd fish really tight. And I, and the fish that we caught, we caught some big yellows, like 10 feet of water. Okay, those fish come right in there, especially if there's habitat, because that's where they feed. That's where they live. I always thought if you... Could almost throw an iron from the beach and probably catch a yellowtail in some of these spots, you know. Maybe I ought to dig yeah. my old alvey reels out, huh? Oh, your alvey? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> dig my alvey reel out, William. You're you're dating yourself now. <laughs> dig my alvey out and go down there. Yeah. William, o- overall, how long did it take from the time you hooked this fish up to the time you brought it in? Um I can't recall. It was pretty, you know, wasn't paying much attention to time, but maybe, I don't know, 20 minutes, 20, 25 minutes, maybe wow. 30 minutes. Cool. Um, but getting back just to the, the rigs and things, um, the only reason why we're catching, and we're going to continue fishing this way for the rest of the year, even into the winter, as long as the shoals of fish are coming through, we'll catch whatever's swimming with them. Yeah. But the reason for this is that I've done this overseas, and uh, I caught most of the game fish that run with the shoals you'll catch this way because the bait is, the way the rig is, is that the bait is not on the ground. It's actually floating in the about right. uh, four or five foot above the bottom, and it actually moves. You can make it move. So basically when a game fish is you know, hunting and they're chasing the shoulder fish, they'll see it sitting mid-water, and they'll see it moving, and they'll hit it. And that's what this yeah. All game fish will do it. They won't pick up things off the bottom. And if they're running after the shoal, if the shoal's in the shore, you can do the same thing, but as long as you get on the other side of it. But typically, you know, you want to... Re- these kinds of fish are running near the shoals. We found if you fish that kind of way where there's no shoals of fish... Um, not so good. You know, you've got to fish quite far out. If you throw close, uh, you're not going to get anything. You've got to throw quite a long way out. William, we've got to take a break right now. Is there any way I can get you to stay on for a little bit longer and we can talk further about your techniques sure. of surf fishing? Sure. All right. appreciate it. Hey, we are speaking with William Taylor. 
recreational surf fisherman extraordinaire, just uh, related to us, an exciting experience he had with an almost 30-pound, or was it a 30-pound-plus yellow tail, uh, William? 30-pound. 30-pound yellow tail. Yeah. Hey, we're going to talk more about fishing in the surf, uh, fishing beyond the white water. Stan is off tonight. Wendy is here. So is Captain Ron Baker. We're going to take a break right now, but stay tuned. There's still more Ron Real Radio to come. I like rafting. I love whitewater. But I never forget that snow melt in the river can cause cold water shock. I wear a life jacket always. Anyone with me has got to do the same. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel specially heat treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. Hey everybody, this is a message for our listeners from a new Baja Magic Lodge at Cedros Island. Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fishing Cedros Island a reality. Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization, but you just don't know who to contact? Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419, or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419 or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com. I got a garage full of fishing tackle, and every time I get out on the water, I realize I forgot something important. But I never forget my life jacket. I make sure my buddies wear theirs, too. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Well, welcome back to Ron Real Radio. Wendy Toshire is here tonight. Captain Ron Baker is also my co-host. And with us is surf fisherman extraordinaire William Taylor. And William just related to us the experience of catching a 30-pound yellowtail in the surf off of North Torrey Pine Beach. And, and William, uh, a great catch. Uh, I know you were in Western Outdoor News. Uh, what kind of attention has catching the, a fish like this brought to you that you've not seen with some of the other fish that you've caught in the past. Hello. William, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. All right. Okay. William, uh, this yellowtail that you caught, what uh, did it bring to you any attention to what you do more so than some of the other fish you've caught in the past? Um, yeah, I, I think it was... We've been trying, you know, I was chatting with Sean about it. We tried live bait for a while, and all we were catching with that was just soup and sharks and um, uh, leopard sharks. So that's why we switched over to the whole baits. But that's typically, we were fishing for anything that was going to be swimming with the shoals, you know. So, okay. uh, yeah, it was a surprise catching it, but, you know, was it expected? Kind of. You know, that was kind of what we were looking for was any kind of game fish. Um, what we did do afterwards is we re-spooled all our reels and we put a lot of backing, our 20-pound braid, 
underneath our regular fishing line to give us more uh, more capacity to fight the fish. All right. Well, and let's let's talk a little bit about the uh, the setup that you fish with to catch larger game fish outside the surf. I mean, uh, a lot of us, including myself, I'll use a lighter uh, spinning rod or bait caster, and I'll cast right into the white water with a with a swivel, and I'll walk down the beach as the drift is taking my lure down the beach and stay in front of my line. But you're doing something a little bit different here. You're using heavier tackle, heavier gear. Please outline to us just exactly what you're doing. Yeah, we do, we by the way, a fish, you know, four cobina in the front with light line, six pound line, four pound line, to using mid tackle to catch and croaker and cobina. I do all of that. So we fish with different size rods. This is just our bigger gear that we have for fishing for bigger game fish offshore. So, and what we're doing with that is it's a balanced um, a balanced setup insofar as, you know, the rods we're using are designed specifically for surf casting and casting a very long way uh, with a five or six sound sinker. And uh, that's the rod we're using. We're also using Daiwa 30s. Um, which are very good for spinning rules. In other words, you know, it takes a while, it takes a lot of expert, you know, practice to to master them so they get over ones, but they're very well balanced with twenty pound line. And the line we use, um, the line I'm using, it's twenty pound diameter, but it's breaking close to thirty pound. And then what we do is because we are throwing a five ounce or a six ounce sinker with bait, we use a shock leader which is twice the length of the rod, and we attach that to the 20-pound so that when we cast, it doesn't break the 20-pound line off. Sure. So we're casting on the 50-pound so we can throw it out. So the sinker, what we do with the sinker is uh, we make the sinker, sink, the sinker is about 12 inches uh, from the sinker to the swivel, and the, the sinker sinker swivel runs on the main line. So in other words, it's about a foot down, foot and a half, and it actually runs on the main line. And then the main line, the leader line, is attached to a swivel, and the swivel is attached to a 6 or 7 hook with either 60-pound, and now we switched over to 80-pound nylon-coated wire. So, and that's with a, a 6 or 7 hook. Yeah. So... It's uh, It's obviously all well-balanced, mm-hmm. and then uh, what we're doing is obviously with that, uh, when you your distance between for your hook has got to be about uh, when, you, when you're hanging your, the rig up, from the t- when you put your rod up and it, it hangs down, your sinker, um, your hook should be about two or three inches below that of your sinker to balance the rig for casting. And basically with that rig is once you put flotation in that bait and you cast it out, it's going to hit the water, sinker's going to go to the bottom. With the flotation in the bait, it's going to cause your halab sardine to go up about two, three, four foot off the bottom of the, you know, off the bottom of the water. And it's going to start to bob around out there. And if you just move your line slowly, it actually causes it to go up and go down. So it actually moves. Right. Now, some specifics. The sinker that you're using, are you using a claw sinker, a pyramid, a flat sinker, or what? No. We're using a special sinker that they use in the U.K. 
uh, I think you can you can still get them here. Um, they look like a, they basically have a weight of, a, uh, let's say, a six ounce. They have a weight of a six ounce, but they can grip like an eight or ten ounce. And what they've got is they've got little metal arms on them, so when you pull them, they fold back and you can wind them out. So when you're casting a long way out, they can hold. I see. And, uh, yeah, so it's... Uh, it's got a metal, um, they fold back. And you can regulate the strength of those metal arms to release, either release easily or release with, as if you're fishing a very, very weak surf and pounding waves, you can make it really strong so that if you get some weed on your line, you can literally hold your line up and shake it and shake the weed off your line. Yeah. And your bait is still out there. Well, you have me fishing your rods in the sand spike because... I know on the surf you're allowed to use two rods. You use two rods for that. You use a sand spike, or you hold it. No, no. When you're fishing like this, you typically are standing waist deep in the water, uh-huh. and you're fishing. You know, these these fish are not. And we do use sand spikes. You're fishing for closer for smaller fish, perhaps with two rods. But like this, you're standing out there. We all use. Um, you maybe saw in that the Western Outdoor News in the picture. We use a uh, a windbreaker top and a windbreaker obviously pants for the sun, mm-hmm. and for the it helps protect you when you're very wet from getting cold from the wind, and obviously hats. But uh, we also use rod belts. So we use a rod belt because big fish like this you can't play properly without a rod belt. Okay. So we use a rod belt, and then we also use a short a uh, a short rod butt. That basically means it's easy for casting and playing a fish. So you have it right in front of you. And that techniques we've used overseas many, many years. But the whole thing with that is it's you, when you're fishing, you're standing out in the water, but you're fishing a long, long way out. And when you get pulls at that level, um, basically the fish are going to either they'll come in slack or they'll pull you absolutely flat and scream line off. There's no little bites. There's no bouncing around. Typically, fish we're catching at that level, at that distance, are much bigger fish. So they will take line. You've got to make sure you drag it. And we get all kinds of bigger fish there, from big leopard sharks to soup fins to very big back rays to, you know, all kinds of different things. And obviously, you know, the yellow tail as well. And I think this year we'll catch a lot more fish because we will be fishing more with that, that with that kind of a rig for the rest of the year. Now, you said you were also keeping the bait buoyant. What are, what are you using to keep that bait buoyant? Are you uh, applying something to it? Is it more the technique of rigging it? No. We're actually putting um, some flotation onto it. We're tying it onto it because the other thing with it is, you know, you can't just, you know, hook your bait on. you actually got to put your bait on in such a way that um, it looks real. Number one, number two, that you can cast this very, very hard and very far, and it stays on your hook. So you've actually got to bind your bait on with a very, very thin bait thread. So you tie your bait thread, your sardine, to your hook, and you know tie everything so it looks like a whole complete black sardine. And then part of that, at the bottom half, you can tie on some uh, some flotation onto that. Something that's going to give you some polystyrene or something you can tie onto. You can insert into the fish and then tie it onto it. And it, you bind it onto it. So it all stays on the hook. So that's what I said when you, when a game fish, any fish swimming along and they're swimming and they see a shoal 
and they look, they're going to see a sardine in the moving around there, a whole sardine, perfectly like a real, you know, like the whole sardine, mm-hmm. not a piece of it, but perfectly, it looks perfect, and that's what they'll hit. Now, are you uh, catching, uh, are you using uh, frozen sardines that you can get at the local bait and tackle stores, or or do you save them from your trips uh, on the sports fishers, or uh, where do you get your sardines from? Aha. Uh-huh. Well, that's a big secret. Okay. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's a $100,000 secret, that. Okay. Um, but, uh, but no, seriously, um, bait is very important. So if you use bait that is, in fact, Sean's sitting next to me here, and he's just he's rubbing, he's locking my arm here, you know, so I'm talking about bait. <laughs> because <laughs> if you use fish don't like, especially these fish, they don't like bad bait. They want the freshest bait possible. If you defrost a frozen bait, it should still have slime on it. A frozen bait, we don't. We actually get ours from bait receivers, and then we freeze them or we fish them fresh. I think, yeah, yeah that, that makes sense because even when you're on the sports boat and you get a sardine, you don't want to be using the sardine that's all bloody and beat up and everything else like that. You want to get the sardine that's like a racehorse and that's going to take you and look the liveliest. So you're doing basically the same thing. And I bet you not every bait that you choose is chosen to go fishing. You're probably pretty selective even in the baits that you do use, even after you've you know prepared a number of baits. Yeah, and that's why Sean was nudging me because we did go fishing, I think on one occasion, and they put the wrong bait in the box. And it was bait we'd previously used, and it wasn't good. It was old and wasn't good. So I pulled it out, and it wasn't good. So I went through the whole bait box trying to find a bait. And luckily at the bottom, there was one packet of decent stuff. But it was not 100%. It was 90%, but it's not good enough. Fish know that. And you know, it's, you know. One of my big remembrances is coming down to San Diego with my dad in the 50s, and we'd be using the Coast Highway. This was before uh, I-5 was put in, and you'd go down through uh, Encinitas and Cardiff and then go through Solana Beach and then come on down through Torrey Pines, and we'd be going out uh, maybe on one of the, the boats that evening that would be leaving uh, later on and during the night, and it was already night, and you'd see all these lanterns on the beach of all the surf fishermen, and, and I remember especially along... Uh, Cardiff and Solana Beach, that they'd be lined with lanterns of people fishing at the at night, and unfortunately, you just don't see that anymore out there. Yeah, a lot has changed. Um, you know, I've been fishing in the surf for about twenty-two years, and uh, you know, fishing from the shore all the way out. You know, and um, I think just a lot of people on the beaches. Um, you know, a lot of people in the surf, um, I think, also causes fish, especially the surf fish, to think that they seals, you know. So I think it affects fishing per se, yeah, you know, with fish right. breeding and fish eating. Sure. Yeah. I you started know, fishing the surf in the 50s. There used to be a lot of perch derbies up and down the coast. Barge surf perch was a famous fish. Everybody fished them. In fact, they used to commercial fish them. I remember going down in Hermosa Beach with my dad, and there was a commercial fisherman on every knoll. Then they change that. You can't fish perch commercially below point conception. So 
Wow. That's that's a you know that's a fish, surf fishing is a wonderful sport. William, it, it just ending, and I don't I don't want you to give away any super specific spots, but can you give our listeners maybe some type of direction on some of the areas along our coast where you think that are have more reasonable uh, fishing than other areas that might be considered to be dead water? Oh, absolutely. I think the first thing to do is um, whenever you're going fishing in the surf, try not to fish with these bathers around in the water because they're going to spook the fish and they're not going to feed. Try and find an isolated spot where there's, you know, basically not um, a lot of people in the water, you know. But I would say, you know, you can catch, depends what you're going to be fishing for, but there's a lot of, there's a tremendous amount of surf perch and a tremendous amount of croaker in the surf. Um, it depends on the water, it depends on the conditions, but North County is very good. I mean, in Colesbad, South States Beach is really good. Um, Torrey Pines is good. Del Mar. Most beaches are good. There are some dead spots, like it's kind of funny down at, uh, in Colesbad, near the power station. That area is pretty dead, but if you go the other side of the inlet further north, uh, those beaches are pretty good too. And you can use sand crabs and what have you for them. Um, you know, we get a lot of um, croaker and a lot of... Uh, we actually get a lot of spotfin with mussel. Another very good bait for the surf is mussel, especially for spotfin. Um, I don't eat things I catch. Um, the only thing I really went ahead is... Uh, uh, you know, the only thing we really ate was the elephant. Otherwise, you put everything back, you right. know. Yeah. So uh, you've got to catch and put back. And you get a lot of spot fin if you find a nice hole somewhere along the beach with, uh, you know, with, with muscle. Again, you've got to tie them with a bait thread. Very, very good bait in the surf. All right. And, and obviously, William, if people want to uh, contact you or find out more or, or chit-chat with you, is there a way that they can contact you? I mean, I know you've appeared at the Fred Hall shows over the years and stuff like that, and we've had contact with you there, but are you on Facebook or anything like that that uh, people can send you a note? Um, no, not really. I mean, I've actually, I used to be involved in the business many, many years ago, and I just do it as a sport now. Um, but, you know, I'm just thinking of how they could reach me. I mean, I could give out my email if they want to contact me via email. They can quite, you know, quite welcome to go ahead and do that. Well, you know, probably a better thing is just to say, hey, we'll see you on the surf on the beach. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that may be a better way. Absolutely. What you've got to do is look for some people with long, some long rods wearing these, uh, these windbreakers and the big hats. All right. William Todd, uh, recreational surf fisherman extraordinary, and, and tell Sean, uh, thank him very much for coaching you. He did a great job tonight, too, and we appreciate you spending some time with us here on Rod and Real Radio. Great, John. It's been a pleasure being talking good to hearing from you. Good It's been a long time. Well, good, good time hearing from you, buddy. Good job. Good, good run. It's, and you as well, Wendy. Nice, nice chatting with you. All right. Hey, we're going to take a break right now. Uh, this is Rod Real Radio on AM540 or RodRealRadio.com. Coming up next, if we can get a hold of him, Steve Peterson, owner-operator of the Mission Bell. He's going to come aboard to let us know what's happening in the three-quarter day scene. So stay tuned. There is still a lot more Rod and Real Radio to come.
Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth, moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ring hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. Don't you just love California in the summer? Just remember, if you love California and you love to boat, please wear your life jacket and make sure the people you love wear one too. Love California, boat California, save California. Share the love at BoatCalifornia.com. Hey, bass fishermen. Who do you call for your bass boat insurance? Well, if you're not calling me at 1-800-BASS-BOAT for your boat insurance, you're probably paying too much and may not have the coverage that you need. In 1974, I developed the Bass Boat Program that is what all the pros use today. The reason? No depreciation or any partial claim for your hull, your big motor, your trolling motor, or your electronics until your boat's 10 years old. That's right. You only pay $250 to get your boat on the water for any partial claim, and we still pay a stated value replacement cost for your boat if you have a total loss. We're the only people in the industry that does that, and that's why we are the choice of the pros. So if you want the best, forget the rest. Just call 1-800-BASSBOAT. Call 1-800-227-7262 or just spell BASSBOAT. 1-800-BASSBOAT. I know there's too many letters, but the T is free and the call's on me. That's 1-800-BASSBOAT, the choice of the pros for BASSBOAT insurance. For more information, log on to 1-800-BASSBOAT.com. Rod and Reel Radio is now available as a podcast you can subscribe to on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting app. Get notified as soon as new episodes are available, or go back and listen to our past shows. Browse through all of our archive shows at roddenreelradio.com slash archives, and click the subscribe button to get started listening now. Hey, Wendy, Captain Ron, and I, we want to welcome you all back to uh, Rod and Reel Radio. Hey, uh... You know, Captain Ron has uh, come aboard here as a co-host, and so needless to say, we uh, asked to uh, asked him to do a little work here at the helm. And uh, <laughs> Captain Ron, you, you came up with a uh, guest with us. Why don't you introduce him for us? Hi, Steve Peterson. He's a great fisherman, good yellowtail. Probably knows the islands as good as anybody. Really, a consistent. His fish counts are so consistent, and I just been watching what's been going on and. Their yellowtail count has been phenomenal all year. So I just figure, well, that's what he's doing. He's fishing the beach sometimes. He's fishing the islands. He's, yesterday he said he fished offshore. What's going on, Steve? Welcome aboard, man. Give us the dope. Hey, how you doing, Ron? I'm doing great. Uh, yeah, the boat fished offshore yesterday. Had a nice shot on the yellowfin tuna. Some skipjack and dorado mixed in. Today they were back at the islands with a light charter group. They had good yellowtail fishing today around the islands both on the beach and around the islands. His fishing has been pretty good overall. Yeah. Well, you know, Steve, uh, uh, I go down to the docks a lot and uh, are sometimes down there late either interviewing some of the skippers, doing some work down there. And without fail, it always seems like the last boat to come in, especially on with all the three-quarter-day boats, is the Mission Bell. I mean, you guys, you offer... A full day of fishing out there, and make sure that uh, your customers get all that they bargain for out there. Oh yeah, the, the San Diego three-quarter day fleet, uh, myself included, we we fish hard. Uh, every single one of us, absolutely. 
um, it's competitive competitive fishery, and we we, we want to be part of that. And uh, yeah, for sure, we 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 fish hard, and um, we're we're out there giving it every every make every second count if we can. We're we're out there fishing hard every second of the day. It was like me. I like to leave on time. That would just bug me if I was late. <laughs> Steve, I know you're in a, you and I have talked about this for a long time, but I don't really care when I come in. If I gotta if I gotta stay, stick and stay and make it pay, I, I gotta do whatever I gotta do for that day. That's you, it. You know, I've got Steve. I've I've got to agree with Captain Ron. I uh, went out on a day and a half trip uh, Wednesday with Chuck Taft aboard the Legend, and the boat was scheduled to leave at eight o'clock. And it started getting to be two minutes, three minutes after eight. And I got to tell you, Captain Taft and the crew, they were antsier than a, a bunch of cats on a hot tin roof. They, they, they wanted to leave. Uh, they wanted to make sure everyone was there. If there was one person that had gone up to get a sandwich or something like that, and they were raring to go. It was eight o'clock. It was time to leave. And if that guy hadn't been coming on down, down the dock, we would have left without him. Uh, I, I can't agree happen. more. <laughs> every, every second counts, especially yeah. in the morning. I, I, I time I time myself and my crew at how long it takes us at the bait receiver every single day. Every, if we leave the bait receiver even a couple minutes late, I, I take note of it, and that's just every single second counts. I, I nothing nothing bugs me more than getting off the dock late and for whatever anything hanging us up. Oh wow, yeah, for sure. Steve, uh, Captain Steve, some of the uh, fishermen here may not be familiar with the Mission Bell. Tell us a little bit about the Mission Bell and maybe a little bit about your history, how it came about, and how people can book to get uh, aboard with you. The Mission Bell has been at Point Loma Sport Fishing for uh, about 10 years now. We're the three-quarter day uh, boat at Point Loma Sport Fishing. Uh, we, we run mostly island trips, I mean, in season, depending on what the best bite is. We're kind of a freelance three-quarter day boat. We depart at 6 a.m. every single day. Uh, we got a fair amount of charters and all that, but the Mission Bell departs at 6 a.m. Uh, fishing the Coronado Islands, that's our primary destination. If, this time of year, however, we're starting to uh, look more and more and more offshore as the yellowfin tuna start to fill in and, all, and the Dorado start to fill in and the yellowtail on kelps. But uh, we've had a pretty good uh, season fishing yellowtail around the islands. And we're looking more and more, keeping our eye more and more offshore. As, as a matter of fact, the point, uh, excuse me, the Mission Bell fished a three-quarter day trip yesterday where they went offshore with a charter group, and they had pretty good yellowfin tuna fishing. They ended up with like uh, 45 yellowfin tuna and 40-something uh, skipjack. They had over 90 mixed fish with yellowfin tuna, skipjack, and dorado in the count yesterday on the Mission Bell. So we're looking more and more offshore at this time of year, but primarily fishing the islands. Boy, and i got to tell you, when the fishing's like that, the price you pay to go on a three-quarter day boat has got to be one of the best values in the fleet. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you get a full day. We depart at 6. We get in around 6 o'clock. Um, everybody's fishing hard. Everyone's trying, you know, their best to give everybody the maximum value and fishing hard all day long. The, the three-quarter day boats in San Diego, is, the, the competition is fierce, and uh, I love it, every, every second of it, every bit of it. Uh, fishing around the islands and fishing offshore and everything else in between. It's, it's what we do. It's what, I'm, it's what I've been doing for the last 20 years, and it's my, my favorite fishery, and I'm happy to be a part of it. And you know what, John? This guy's good at it, too. I fished around him. I know. I know how he is because I fished around him. 
<laughs> he was a hard out, let me tell you. I, uh, it, it sounds like maybe you've gotten your you-know-what waxed a couple well, of times yeah, but by him, too. Well, yeah, but Steve will admit, what goes around comes around, right, Steve? That's <laughs> a fact. Yeah. And we are speaking with uh, Captain Steve Peterson, owner-operator of the Mission Bells. Uh, Captain Steve, uh, I know there's no crystal ball out there, but seems like, uh, you know, this fishing is just beginning to bloom a little bit later in the season. Uh, looking on down the line, uh, how does it look uh, for the uh, end of September going into October that, that you can see? Well, we're excited about the, the opportunities offshore. Um, we had kind of a weird season. We had that, that bluefin tuna offshore early in the season that we spent a fair amount of time pursuing those. Our yellowtail filled in really nicely during the midsummer and uh, late summer, and even right now at the islands, the yellowtail around the islands good. And then now we're looking again offshore. Typically, our offshore season is best, you know, September and October, and that's what we're looking forward to. There's some yellowfin tuna starting to show up. You know, they, they, things have been kind of a little bit slow to develop offshore, but things yellowfin tuna have showed up nicely the last few days. And we're hoping to see more and more and more of that as the as the you know the, the weeks progress as we get get deeper into our season. Now, if the fishermen are coming aboard, whether they're renting rods or they're bringing their own gear, what are you suggesting that they bring to accommodate the type of fishing that you're doing right now? Uh, what we're doing well, tomorrow, we got an open party trip. We're going to be fishing around the islands. Um, just if you had just one rod to bring, I'd want it to be a 25 or a 30 pound test for fly line and a live bait. Uh, with monofilament on there. Um, we've had good fishing for yellowtail on the surface, on the fly line baits. We've been catching them on the flat, the yo-yo jigs, the flat, fly, the flat fall style uh, yo-yo jigs. It's hard to bet against the flat fall lure. The 130, 160 gram flat falls have been working really well on the yellowtail. And there's been some bluefin tuna around the islands. Those have been mostly on the fly line baits. But, uh, yeah, it's been good fishing on the islands and just, just single, just fly line and bait, just, just plain and simple. You know, live bait on the surface has been probably the most effective technique all all, all year long. Well, you know, I I noticed when uh, being out during the middle of the week, uh, the bait seems to be really good, but there seems to be a mixture of small sardines and large sardines in there. So what is your suggestion with regards to hooks? And when it comes time to hook up a bait, what do you suggest they hook up with? You know, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, there's been a mix. There's been some days when we've had nothing but the, the medium-small sardines where, like, a size 1-0 hook is ideal. And then, and then there's been some days when we've gotten mostly bigger bait where it's been, like, a size 2-0 or even 3-0 hook has been ideal. But uh, I, I, I personally am a big fan of just plain old J-hooks. I'm a Mustad guy. I, love, I, I like nothing better than a plain old uh, Mustad hook and a 25- or 30-pound test. And a one zero or two zero. If you have a one zero or a two zero, you can't. You won't be wrong. That's that's a fact. That's for sure. Now, with these uh, yellowfin that you're catching them, are you starting on the troll, or are you just yeah, looking uh, metering it, it, up fish and uh, finding them? It's been a mix. It's been uh, there's been some spots of uh, birds marking the fish, and there's been some kelps, and there's been some sonar marks, and there's been some plain old simple you know blind jig strikes where we've been getting stopped in the yellowfin. That yellowfin tuna thing's just been going on for the last couple days within our range. Uh, yesterday is, is the first really good day we've had in a while offshore on the yellowfin tuna. There's been some Dorado and yellowtail to catch on kelps for a while off and on, but that yellowfin tuna yesterday for the first time became a big part of our, of our scene of what's going on out there. And uh, that was, uh, that was yesterday Tony, was, Tony, Tony Sotella was driving the boat in the Mission Bell yesterday, 
and he had his stop on a kelp patty, and it was mixed a yellowfin and blue a yellowfin and skipjack, and it was on a kelp patty, and it was it was good fishing for those guys. And so it's been it's been you know you name it, you got to be prepared for everything. You can't just bring one thing and think you're going to have all your bases covered. It's been jig strikes, it's been uh, kelp patties, it's been sonar marks, it's been everything everything and everything in between. Well, Captain Steve Peterson sounds like. Not only is the fishing getting better, but it seems like it's only going to be improving here in the next couple of weeks. People want to get a hold of you or book aboard the Mission Bell, find out what your schedule is to see how it matches their schedules to go fish. How's the best way to do it, sir? Um, you're either at PointLomaSportMission.com or you're at calling Point Loma Sport Fishing at 619-223-1627, 223 Asking about the Mission Bell or the Point Loma, or even the Daily Doubles got their half-day trips going on. Um, we're at Point Loma Sport Fishing, and that's that's the best way to get a hold of us. And I, I'm sure you would uh, recommend that people make reservations, not to just walk uh, uh, up to the uh, the window and think they can get a spot. Because when these fish start running, man, you're you're going out almost full. Oh yeah, that for sure. By all means, make a reservation either on the internet. Or call the landing at you know six one nine two two three one six two seven, and get on the mission bell, the point lower, the daily double, and we'll 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 take it from there. All right, Captain Steve, thank you very much for being with us, uh, owner operator of the uh, mission bell. Uh, good luck out there, and we look forward to seeing you on the water. Thanks a lot, Steve. All right, thank you very much for calling. Okay, All right, well, Wendy, hey, thanks a lot for tonight. Boy, this show really zipped by. It and- sure did, and. Hopefully, I'll have a good report for you guys next Sunday with some big bluefin. Good. I hope so. I'll, I, when are you going on that trip? We're going to leave Thursday night, fishing Friday on the option. All right. We'll count on it. Hey, just a note to everyone, uh, next uh, Sunday night, Captain Ron Baker will be your host. I am going to be in Ireland for the next few weeks, so Ron... Uh, uh, Wendy and uh, Stan, uh, they're going to be here manning the helm. Uh, the inmates are in charge of the asylum. So <laughs> who knows what you're going to be in for. So, hey, everyone, thanks for taking the time to listen tonight. We want to thank Jorge and the AM 540 Studios. We want to thank Ben Harvey also for putting this whole show together here locally here in San Diego. And always in memory of Big Tuna Bill, Eddie McEwen, and one of the greatest fishermen and sponsors you'd want to know, Paul Leader. Thanks a lot for being with us tonight. Guys, the fishing can't get any better. Go out there. As Kevin Minio used to say, your fish are getting away. Don't let somebody else catch them. So good night from all of us. We'll see you next Sunday night on Rod Reel Radio. Good night, everybody. We're out for now. Good night,